come stop and take a trip down on my block What you see hidden potential, young minds sharper than Ginsu And ain't afraid to speak they mind if they got something against you We standing with you, we tackle issues like civic pride Hate will cease to exist, let's put our differences aside From my side to your side, from Dutch Town to South Side From Penrose to North Side, from Benton Park to Old North to West End to West Side We bless when we step out, we stand down, rise up, stand together, wise up this is Stitchcast Studio, produced by St. Louis Story Stitchers in St. Louis, Missouri. In this week's episode, our Stitchcast sits down with Dr. Kanika Cunningham to discuss the COVID pandemic and vaccine misinformation. They say who that, but you already knew that. That be them story stitches. Story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches. First of all, uh, I want to thank everybody again for being here. Thank you all for joining us. I want to thank Cabani Library for hosting us. Thank you so much. And Dr. Cunningham, of course, we want to thank you for being here. No, this is important. I'm glad you all invited me. Of course, of course. Thank you so much. Um, could you talk a little bit about your journey and uh, how you got here? Yeah, I can. Um, so I'm a primary care physician, so I take care of people. I'm telling you from the time you're born up to the time you die. Um, if moms, aunties, cousins get pregnant, I also take care of um, pregnant women as well. So I do a little bit of everything and a lot of community work. So my journey with COVID, initially it started with you know following the science, trying to keep up. So many different things changed on the medical side, like every other minute things were changing. Um, and then I started doing a lot of community um, advocacy and education when a lot of the information showed that, you know, our black and brown communities are being disproportionately affected. And when you really looked at the data, who was being affected by this, it was our community. And so that's when I really did a lot to um, pull in our churches and just different you know, people who were leaders in a community to really get out factual information and to be the trusted messenger. I think what's different is that I got COVID myself. And so I'll never forget getting COVID because <laughs> I, I, I'm actually still technically recovering from a lot of the long COVID symptoms. So happy to talk about my personal experience, but then also just being a physician and um, all the different changes that came along with it. So that's kind of my background with this. Right, definitely, 100%. So, um, as a physician, um, I'm sure you were already taking the pandemic seriously. Yeah. Uh, when you caught COVID, did it make you take it even more seriously? It did. So, sad thing, when I caught COVID, I actually gave it to my daughter. So, as a mom, I felt so bad because my daughter also developed symptoms. And it was just like, oh my goodness, like I did everything. I had my mask on. And I actually rounded in the hospital on a patient that Monday and both me and the patient and my daughter all tested positive on Friday. So that's where my, we think where my exposure came from. But that was like Delta variant. That's when the peak, when so many people were getting infected in St. Louis. So that's what we think. But like I said, I was doing COVID testing. I was rounding in the hospital. I was seeing people in the clinic. So that's the one we can trace. But honestly, you know, it, it could have came from anywhere. But getting COVID, that was the sickest I've ever been. Like I was out the full two weeks, couldn't do anything. I remember like just laying on my couch, praying because I was so sick, never been that sick before. I had nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, stomach ache, complete loss of taste and smell, no appetite, <laughs> headaches. I had horrible body aches. 
all yeah, that. It was, it yeah, it was so bad. Yeah, it was so bad. And then afterwards, you know, when I came out of my quarantine, it really affected my sleep. And so um, I started taking melatonin, but I had what's called early morning awakening. So I kept waking up at 4 a.m. I couldn't get good restful sleep. And some people who had COVID, that was actually one of the things that people experienced, early morning awakening or insomnia. Never had an issue with sleep before, but my sleep. So that kind of like, on top of me not getting good sleep, affected my mood. So then I started having some issues with, um, just with mood and anxiety. So COVID itself, what we do know, it actually did increase rates of depression, anxiety, PTSD among people as well. And so coming out of that time period, like that was a lot that I had personal experience. And so I used my own personal experience when I was talking to people in the community about like, I know firsthand too <laughs> from this, but um, I tell people COVID is nothing to play around with. Yeah. Not at all. Did you catch it around like Christmas time when we had that big outbreak? Yeah, it was actually right around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Gotcha. So, Right, it was like mid-November, I think, of that year when my cases started going up. But it was like a month time, like November, Christmas, and I got it right, right around um, Thanksgiving time. I got it because I couldn't. None of my family, yeah, we didn't actually. None of our family met um, for that. So, yep, right around that time. Got you, got you. Yep. Yeah, goodness, I caught it. I caught it too. Um, I caught it. I caught it like right after Christmas. I was almost out of 2021 without without oh. catching it. You know, so I was undefeated, and then they caught me at the end. You oh, caught man. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I caught, I caught it right at the end. I actually I was, had it twice. Oh, I got really? it again this year. Oh, <laughs> and this time, my daughter gave it to me. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So she got, got it. I know. So she got it from playing basketball. So her whole team, wow. like it was right over Christmas time. So one player got sick. So it was like a ripple effect. So the whole JV varsity team, coaches and some parents, we all got it again. And uh, so Omicron when we had the spike. And so... Definitely not like Delta, but I'm like I've had it twice, and I'm vaccinated, and I have my booster. Got you. Ooh, heard that. Did you? Were you vaccinated before you caught it the first time? No, no. Okay, so the you. vaccine actually came. Uh, Pfizer approved it. I think it was like three or four weeks afterwards, because I ended up getting my first dose um, like 30 days afterwards. I got my first dose. So I was like ready to go, and I called. It's like at the beginning where first they were telling people wait like 90 days before getting your vaccine. And um, there was a concern for shortage. And so they were first given out to healthcare workers. So I actually called one of my friends who's an infectious disease specialist. And he's like, no, you can go ahead and get it. So I actually got my first shot 30 days after having COVID. Um, and then got my second dose of Pfizer um, 21 days later. So I was ready to get it because I had to get back in and start rounding. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't even want to experience it again. Mm, right, right. Yeah, I definitely get that. With your patients, um, you know, besides contracting the virus, what were other things that bumped up during that time? That's a good question. Like so, substance abuse, mm -hmm. other mental things, what were those looking like? Yeah, so definitely saw um, in my own patient panel, and it was also the same just across the country, that mm -hmm. um, increased diagnoses for depression, anxiety, PTSD, grief a lot of people were losing loved ones you know and for some people it was like within 72 hours their loved ones were were dying so definitely i saw a lot of people in my practice because their depression is no longer stable or they want to come in and get evaluated for it with the substance use that definitely increased as well too so um, i don't know if y'all been following the news but we are seeing record numbers in overdose deaths so fentanyl is all in the streets and we can talk about that that's my passion i love talking about substance use 
So rates of that went up. Alcohol sales across the country went up as well, and especially yes. in Missouri. So we saw that too. Mm-hmm. So all across the board, the pandemic not only affected us as individuals in our society, but it also affected, I would say, mental wellness. So that was a huge thing. And even now, um, so many patients didn't want to leave their houses. So you have people, this idea of um, social distancing for somebody that was social isolation. So they wasn't able to be around people. They didn't go to church. You know, people feeling afraid that, you know, what if they get COVID, what if they die? So that's a whole nother thing that we often don't really talk about too much when we think about the pandemic and the effects that it have. And now we know, too, people who've had COVID increase rates of depression and anxiety as well. So I'm also diagnosing a lot of people who've had COVID. They're feeling more anxious. They're feeling their mood is all over the place. And so mm, more cases of depression and anxiety as well. So you bring up some really, really good points with the mental wellness part. And I say mental wellness on purpose because people say, you know, mental illness. And it's not an illness. It's, you know, mental wellness. It's something that we all should acknowledge. Um, you know, I tell people, I see a therapist. I got my daughter seeing a therapist. My husband, I'm getting ready to sign him up to see a therapist. I think that everybody needs to see a therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just to, to get it out and talk. And especially in our community, you know, we don't really talk too much about the effects of life. Yes, you know, you true. have the pandemic. Um, I have to mention, we have, um, you know, a lot came out about the effects of racism, especially in St. Louis City, St. Louis County. You know, we're mm-hmm. here, you grew up here. Like a lot of stuff we've been socialized to believe was normal. Um, if we look at just the rates of who was dying from COVID, um, we saw that our black and brown communities more likely, you know, increased risk and rate of dying. So it affected so many different parts right. of our lives. And don't forget about gun violence. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. true too. We have gun violence too. So that's really, really huge. And definitely still seeing people for that increase in medicine, change in medicine. So, yeah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You know what time it is. It's time for another Stitchcast Studio Arts Interlude. That's right. It's time to pick the city up. This week, we have a Story Stitch's original song entitled The Why and the Way. Living in the material world Problems arise for the youth Whether boys or girls We all had bad days So who am I to judge? You picked the wrong hood If you was looking for some love A friend of your mom Told me that you was on it bad Too late to try to help him Cause he gone and it's sad Him and his gang Doing crimes at the Metro The laws got called About a 38 special And let's hope the last options Arrest him And not another one To learn a very hard lesson This is the why I don't wait my city blow If I ain't know what I'm going to if I ain't know I would've quit a long time ago The way my city, the way my city blow This is the way, the way my city blow If I ain't know I would've quit a long time ago If I ain't know I would've quit a long time ago What's the way my city, the way my city blow He thought he was invincible, we only live once, right? Life hit different when you lose it 
it in a gunfight On sight, he was active but backwards Raised by the system, a natural disaster Forgot like a password, slave not a master Couldn't catch his breath and it was like he had asthma There's no retreat, in your mind you make that final choice It's not a dream, but I listen to that tiny voice Teach his own, you saying preaching, but you bleeding out Needing mouth to mouth resuscitation in the valley But life or death manifested in these wicked streets In a world of predators, you looking like something to eat I feel your heart beating fast, man, you afraid I would be scared too if you ain't ready for no grave How we behave determines where we go in life We sacrifice for a future rain is glowing bright This is the why I don't wear my city blow If I ain't know I would've quit a long time ago If I ain't know I would've quit a long time ago The why in my city, the way my city blow This is the why I don't wear my city blow If I ain't know I would've quit a long time ago If I ain't know I would've quit a long time ago So why in my city, the way my city blow Like you invisible We need the money Can't make a waste That's livable Little more suffering To come up Gonna be spiritual Critical thinking Is an order I'm making my move Foolish of you To keep stunting Without paying your dues My people's feelings Are sacred These sons of killings These buildings Is vacant How long are we Willing to take it Until we stand up And make our children The safest I'm faced with a system Of hatred A case of self-loathing A modern day slave ship I love my people Despite my people I empathize I never let them see me sweat, it's time to improvise And wise up, if you learn, you forever fly And once you find out why, your dreams will never die Could you unpack that a little more? Like, like when we say things like the COVID pandemic um, disproportionately affects the black community, you know, you know, you know. So clearly, the virus itself isn't seeking out black people. No, so right. how did this happen? What what leads to it disproportionately affecting us? Um, so it has to do with so many different factors. So what we saw, I think somebody had mentioned uh, Tuskegee as one example, but there's actually multiple examples in medicine in which the healthcare field. Um, did not approach care how they should have been. Um, in our community, um, you're right, the virus didn't seek out, but it had to do with, for example, you know, who were more likely to be exposed? You have people who, you know, drive in the, the metro link or drive in the metro bus, more likely to be black and brown communities. You have your janitors. So when people got laid off from work, you know, a lot of people weren't able to rely on salary or vacation time. We really saw what the pandemic did with telling people to stay at home, work from home. Some people couldn't work from home. They had to go to work. So they're, because of the occupation, we as a, as a nation place people at risk because of their job, they were unfairly exposed to the vaccine because, you know, you're going to take care of your family. Um, so a lot with that, I think also just the healthcare system. 
when testing became available, who first had access to testing. Testing is really, really huge to identify cases and know, okay, where are the outbreaks? That's where you can direct public health resources. If you know that this community, there's so many cases going up, what are we doing? What are we doing in this community? Well, we need to target resources, put more testing, their treatment. And when the access to testing came out, for example, North County was one of the um, later neighborhoods to have access to testing. I mean, you had to drive 15 to 20 minutes to get to someplace to get tested. It's easier to stay at home and recover than to try to find a test. The delay with getting test results back, I remember at the peak of it, it was taking two and three weeks to get results back. So some people were like, it's not even worth it's it. Right, right, and then right. if you think about how we tested, I mean, we stuck a long Q-tip. <laughs> like, yes. So some people like didn't want to come and get tested mm -hmm. just for the fear of the test. Yeah. So you had all of that. And you had some people were, of course, with the mask. That was a huge thing, too. With, you know, who wanted to wear a mask, who didn't want to wear a mask. It was a whole political you know sadness that took place that so many people didn't want to wear masks and what we knew at the beginning states who actually and communities that actually instituted a mask mandate they actually had lesser cases than states um, and, and counties that didn't so unfortunately a lot of political debate I think could have unintentionally exposed people to COVID and was a way that COVID was transmitted because people were not able to wear masks or felt so strongly about not wearing masks um, it was really huge in churches, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, this pandemic, I mean, it did so much, but you're right. It wasn't the virus itself. It has to do with the institutional racism, the, the systems that were put mm -hmm. in place. That's what actually COVID helped to unmask um, and, and point um, attention to. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the question asked was, what can you do to increase your trust uh, or kind of take a leap of faith when it comes to taking the vaccine given the historical endeavors with doctors mistreating patients and yeah. um, with all the misinformation out there. So how do you get to that place of, okay, I yeah. trust this vaccine? Right, right, that's huge. I would think first thing coming here, like I said, um, you know, I trust that everyone is here, but trust that I will give factual information because you know, I love my community, I love everyone, I love what I do. But I found that to be something that's really meaningful, trusting somebody who's on the inside, meaning someone that's in the healthcare field, that's looking at the literature, that's being able to decipher like, nope, don't listen to that, or this is what's factual, and then reporting that back. So there's so much stuff to read and know. And so definitely identifying somebody that you think is a trusted person um, who's like in the medical field, I think that would be that would be great. I know our health director, Dr. Mahdi, if you look at her videos, she had videos that come out with the health department. I, she is someone I absolutely trust. I've called her multiple times for questions. So she herself, watching her videos, if you're not able to get a hold of me or somebody else, but identify a trusted person. And Dr. Mahdi is one that I trust too. And I trust what she puts out. So that would be the first thing. I think the other thing, I do trust the information that's on the CDC because um, they do keep up with a lot of the things that I read. So I would say if you do, you know, go on the Internet to search, be careful because there are some sites on the Internet that will give you false information. But I do trust a lot of the things that come out on the CDC. I go there for updates. A lot of our health centers follow the guidance from the CDC. Um, I also met the CDC director. And so meeting with her, it kind of also helped me to build a little bit trust to kind of interact with her and know, OK, this is somebody who I think, you know, I can continue to listen to because that's important for me too. So that'll be the first two things I would say is to help build their trust. When you do go to get your vaccine, if you don't feel comfortable, trust your gut feeling, ask questions. 
because whoever is there administering that vaccine they should be able to answer your questions or give you the handout to read you know whatever questions you may have or they should be able to help you answer those questions and make you feel comfortable while you're sitting there getting that vaccine so that's something that's really huge trust your gut most places i know of they're doing a really great job at educating people helping you to you know answer your questions on the spot but that will be one thing go to a place that you may feel comfortable getting the vaccine so if you have a primary care doctor um, a lot of our health centers so family care health center affinia caris tl peoples a lot of us um, administer the vaccine so go to a place that you trust that's in your community there'll be another thing i recommend um, there are some walgreens and cvs's too that's in your community um, but I'm, I'm always biased towards health center so i would say go to the health center who's administering it likely they'll take out time as well to talk to you those would be the few things i think that you can do um, and then you know have a friend who already got the vaccine and go with you hopefully you can have a friend that got theirs or a family member call them up ask their opinion and you know do you have any side effects you know how did it make you feel and what made you get the vaccine and you know hearing from your friends and family members who got it so the, the first question um when 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 you give out vaccinations or when people are coming to your practice to get vaccinated what what's bringing them in what yeah. what's what's getting them to the point of i need a vaccination uh the second question a lot of the youth in uh, our organization, the St. Louis Story Stitches, and a lot of youth in our community use urgent cares as their primary care physicians yeah. as opposed to getting a primary care physician. So do they teach in schools how to access health care? Yeah, likely they don't, but we'll talk about that one in a second. So the first question, so I, was, I think it's multifactorial. So my clinic we initially started doing vaccinations like for the community and now we scale back to only offering to, like our patients and family members just because our demand went down there were so many places that were offering vaccines and so i think part of it with us a lot of our physicians were advocates of and talking to people about getting vaccines boosting the vaccine confidence so i think that's one thing that that relationship was already established with their doctors and so it just took for us a matter of talking about it, recommending it, and getting them on a schedule to say, yes, they want to get it. So that's one aspect. Um, I think the other, there were some people who wanted to see what would happen after people get vaccines. So they didn't want to be in that first wave of getting it, but they felt like, I want to see what's going to happen to everybody else first. And now we're seeing more people who, um, you know, are coming in now since they're seeing that the vaccine is doing okay. And, you know, um, it's not causing the, the fear and concern that was circulating with vaccines. I think the other thing I was driving for some people, loved ones who passed, I did have quite a few people who got COVID themselves and they were like, I want to get vaccinated and they encouraged the whole family to get vaccinated. So I saw a little bit of all of that. There was a lot of messaging, I think with the city and county health departments too. So I know the city did some vaccine drives. Um, they did a lot of messaging, positive messaging in the community around getting vaccinated. And I was a part of some of that initiative. So I think some of that to kind of undo those myths, I think that was another driving factor too. Those are the things that kind of come to the top of my head um, as to what could be driving some people to get it right now. Can I add two? Mm -hmm. One oh, yeah. is another one is employment. Oh yeah, and I forgot about another employment. You're right travel. about that. Yeah, those are good. Those are two good ones. I forgot about those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I got vaccinated for travel. Yeah, I forget. the employment one was really huge. That yeah. a lot of people, um, yeah, got vaccinated because they didn't want to lose their jobs. So, yeah, that was really huge in travel. And so with school, like she, like she said, a lot of uh, a lot of colleges were yeah. kind of mandating the vaccine. And then with the second question about access, 
I don't think they're teaching about it in schools. I mean, I don't know all the school's curriculum, but I get a sense that, you know, I feel like some of the some of the young adults or young kids I take care of, those are the ones I probably delivered or I'm their parents' doctor and they found out that I can see them as well. I think some of the people may not understand when they're their age with seeing a doctor, I think that goes back to only see a doctor if you're sick versus thinking about seeing a doctor for wellness. And it's just my opinions. I think some young adults or teens or adolescents, some may not only pursue just for like maybe contraception, birth control or STD testing, not thinking about as an adolescent or a teen, you know, I have other health needs that, you know, need to be addressed like depression screening, anxiety screening. Um, so I, I really don't think we do a lot in the community about why do you need to see a doctor? Why is it important to get a pediatrician or a primary care doctor? Um, I don't think we talk about the benefits of that. And then if you think about it just in generations, it's always been, you know, go to the doctor when you're sick. And that mistrust there, I will say that. So if you have grandparents and parents who only see a doctor because they're sick, that same type of tradition will trickle down in the family line. So a lot of education about, you know, seeing a primary care doctor for wellness and to prevent anything you know, from, from getting sick, that's a message that we need to put out and talk to people about, which you all should do that. Definitely, and also to touch on that, um, not only was I not taught about access and healthcare, I don't know anybody that was. Yeah. Not a single solitary person. Yeah. So uh, how do you go about navigating around people that catch COVID but are asymptomatic? Mm -hmm. There um, you go. Because <laughs> um, unless, you're, unless somebody around them catches COVID and isn't asymptomatic they don't even know that it's necessary for them to get tested so how yeah. do you how do you navigate that that's a tricky one that's why it was important to wear your mask wash your hands the social distancing because um, that was a huge case at the beginning you know when people didn't want to wear a mask and COVID was spreading it was a lot of asymptomatic people meaning that you have COVID but you don't have any not showing any signs or symptoms but people were still spreading COVID and they were asymptomatic so wearing the mask is one of the biggest ways that you can help prevent or minimize that and then also maintaining that distance, unfortunately. Those are the best things because if you don't have symptoms, you don't know. But if you're around a group of people and gathering, you don't know who who may have it, who may not have it. And even now, if somebody's vaccinated, you can still get it. It may have milder symptoms. So the one point I do like to make with the vaccine, the vaccine was developed for three things was to prevent death, prevent severe disease, and prevent you from going into the ICU on a ventilator. So even though you're vaccinated, you can get COVID, but it may be mild symptoms. So some people think I'm vaccinated, that I mean I can't get COVID. That was not the reason, you know, why COVID, the vaccine was developed, to minimize disease. So if someone don't want to wear their mask, they're around people, people not vaccinated, I mean, that's just still a risky situation to get it. And there's nothing you can really do except take those preventive measures, wearing your mask and getting vaccinated if you're not vaccinated to prevent you from, you know, those three things from happening. Yeah. And a lot of times people find out because of contact tracing. Somebody else tested positive. Now I need to get tested. Oh, I have it too. So I found out too. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. yes. It was trash. It was tragic. But I was vaccinated, so my symptoms wasn't as bad as the person that I got that's it from. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's was the other person vaccinated or not vaccinated? No, oh. they wasn't. They was catching fevers and all of that. I just felt like I had a real bad cold. Yeah. Which ain't nearly as bad. Yeah, that's how it was the second time I had COVID. It was really mild symptoms, like I had a cold. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, Dr. Cunningham, obviously we would love to talk to you for longer. <laughs> um, well, time limits are a thing, unfortunately, and we can't keep the library here all night. They 
kind of closed up and whatnot. So uh, we do want to thank you for coming out. Oh, uh, we want to thank everybody else for coming out and having this conversation with us. Those were some really great questions. Uh, we hope that you found this not specifically entertaining. If you did find it entertaining, great. But uh, we hope that you found this insightful and that you might have learned something. I think that point about access and seeing a doctor, it would be nice if you all, if, you know, develop, I guess, messaging to encourage that, especially, you know, People don't think that a primary care doctor can address trauma and just the nature of gun violence and hearing bullets and it yeah. can affect so many different things. That, I mean, that was a really, really good point that really, really talk about how can young adults, adolescents or teens access healthcare? What does it mean to have a have a doctor? And I think that it's gonna be really huge and something we probably okay, should talk so about. Are, yeah. you, are you suggesting that we do another podcast with you on said topic? <laughs> so like that, that's what it sounds like. Right. Sound like all right, all right. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to that's me. That's what it sounds all right. That's okay. what y'all heard. We got it on video. I mean, on, on recording. Right. Let, let me know. I do I do think that is a good topic that we need to talk about. Yeah. And I'll probably see, well, next time, I'll probably see if some of my other doctor colleagues will be able to come to. Ooh. Right. That'd be fine. All right. Group podcast. <laughs> that would be beautiful. We have a, we have a, we have a nice facility uh, over in Grand, uh, Grand Center. Okay. Right next to Strauss Park, uh, formerly known as the KDHX stage. Uh, and we're having uh, many concerts after these podcasts, after these live podcasts. So yes, we can make it a we can make it a big um, what's the word shindig. And of course, you probably can get Dr. Marty with the health department to because that's like really huge if we talk Ooh. about access. I'm she plugged she's plugging us in. Yeah, yeah, I'm putting yes. I'm putting that. Yeah, I'll, I'll let her know. I threw her name out there as a <laughs> the health department to help out. Okay. <laughs> So yes, yes, uh, we want to thank everybody for joining. Thank everybody for participating. Uh, entry between the ages of 16 and 24 and want to know how you can join our Stitchcast family or how you can be a part of the Story Stitches organization as a whole. We do have applications at storystitches.org. If you're wondering where uh, our next event will be, the next concert, the next dance battle, the next podcast, uh, there are a bunch of things we do. Um, if you're wondering how you can participate or how you can be a part of our next event, you can also find that information at storystitches.org. Uh, thank everybody so much for listening, and we out. Thank you for listening. We want to give a very special shout out to the Stitchcast Studio sponsors. Story Stitches is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts, the Lewis Prize for Music's 2021 Accelerator Award. Additional support for Stitchcast Studio and Story Stitches Youth Programs was provided by the Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund, City of St. Louis Youth at Risk Crime Prevention Grant of 2021, Lust Corporations, the Charity Pot, and March for Our Lives Aid and Allowance. They say who that, but you already knew that. Let that be them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches.